Hi, this is Marlene, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or mp3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. changed in five a little bit um but what that has meant for me is that i've i feel that there's, there's this substratum underlying all of this where it's the same race that i had contact with when i was a kid that was responsible for the phenomena i experienced when i was a child okay. uh as as today and even though there was a little bit of a, a different feeling to to some of it at certain stages nonetheless there's this relationship and this continuity um, so yeah, when I was a little kid, uh, I used to have experiences where I'd wake up in the middle of the night, um, wander around, not be able to wake any of my family. So mm-hmm. a large family had five other siblings and, uh, my mum and dad there as, as well, living at the house, uh, just couldn't wake them up, but I'd feel drawn outside where there'd be lum- luminous people levitating, okay. um, Another time I went out, there was a dark shape on a boat that was in our front yard that my dad had built. Uh, when I looked up at it, it jumped down on me and swept me up into a sack and ran off with me. Oh, my God. Um, and stopped when I was screaming and felt into the sack and stroked me and patted my face and then started running again. Uh, and then I had missing time and I was back at home hysterical. Um, these weird experiences... I'm not quite sure exactly how many I had over my childhood, but I'd have them sort of peppered about memories of having these strange nighttime experiences. And none of your siblings had any experiences? Um, I suspect they did. I haven't spoken in detail to them about these kinds of things. Certainly my parents themselves have had interesting experiences oh. in their childhood and also as adults. And they're, they're both still alive and, 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 and healthy in their 80s in the house that I originally grew up in. Uh, they still have like poltergeist activity happening and things like oh, that. Oh, so they're still even in that same location then? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, okay. And I now live a few towns away from there. For a while, I lived up in a, up in the Dandenongs in another part of um, the state of Victoria where I'm from in Australia. Um, for years, my wife and I uh, lived up um, and I worked on a, on a tree farm. It was a wholesale tree farm. Uh, I had a few experiences happen up there where I wake up and there'd be tall, fair people in my room uh, and they'd run out through the walls once okay. I went up to, to make contact with them. One time I woke up to see a, a small blonde girl with huge blue eyes that was crouching down near me. And I tried to, I, you know, my mind's just working at a million miles an hour when you wake up and there's someone there with you. So I actually, which is a bit embarrassing to admit, I tried to kick her 
and I lashed out at her and she ran around the edge of the bed and shot wow. out the wall. So I've had, and then during the day as well, I had experience, a particular experience when I was a kid that I saw a being behind a pine tree, um, a dark being that was, looked like it was shaped of this, that had the texture of the pine tree bark, four long fingers, huge black eyes, a triangular shaped face with kind of ridges on the top of its head. Uh, and I was about to turn five. I worked out with my sister when that would have been that, I, that I'd seen that. Um, I was about a month off turning five years old. And I remember this and I used to talk to people about it when I was a kid. This gave me a lifelong interest in fairies and elves because I presumed it was a fairy or an elf. Since mm -hmm. then, as an adult, I've seen these suits since in, okay. in abduction experiences. And they're a, a kind of a suit that can cloak. At night, they have glowing red eyes. They're like a, they're a technology that can become intangible to pass through solid objects. So the reason I call these beings crypto terrestrials is I, I took the name from a guy called Mac Tonys anyway, who wrote a book, uh, The Crypto Terrestrials, um, a meditation on indigenous humanoids and the aliens among us. Mac Tonys passed away as quite a young man, unfortunately. I think he was only 34 when he passed away in 2009. But his book was published posthumously. Okay. Um, and he had the theory that... Um, what that the, the UFOnauts or the beings or race piloting flying saucers and UFOs that we see or responsible for close encounter phenomena like abduction phenomena and things like this, mm -hmm. that they are more likely indigenous to this planet and hidden. So crypto terrestrials as hidden earthlings rather than being extraterrestrials from outside the earth because they seem to be interested in our DNA. You know, you have this sort of theme running through a, a ufo abduction law that they take dna samples from us or occasionally right. even like in the old-fashioned way copulate with us there's a few cases like that like peter curry's case in australia in 1992 where a seven foot tall chalk white woman with huge blue eyes two to three times the size of our eyes fine white hair he woke up um, in this situation like a kind of a succubus or young and mm -hmm. shoot fairy lover situation that also happened to antonio Velas boas in 1957 in brazil with a woman with huge blue eyes fine white hair um they are very and also the fairies and elves you know if we consider the fairies and the elves to be older interpretations folkloric interpretations of genuine experiences to a certain extent that people were having in the past with the same beings that are responsible for the UFO. Right, phenomenon. because you hear among the fairies about that, that the thing of the changeling. That's exactly where, right, yeah. When they would take a human child and exchange it for a fairy child. That's right, um, yeah. and, and also fairy lovers coming to houses or, mm -hmm. or, or calling people away to have trysts with them in the forest at night or in the earth. Um, and you get these this this continuity. So so Mac Turney's had this idea of crypto terrestrials, which could be an umbrella term for not only you know elves and fairy phenomena of early times, but also ET aliens of today. Um, you know, and you get you get these um these really strong parallels, like when you look at like characteristics and traits of like the fairies or elves of let's say the Celtic fairy faith of Europe compared to some of the ET races that people talk about today. So, um, you know, Nahuishlan, the gentry, the Gaelic gentry were tall, fair elves um, that lived in the earth in subterranean 
uh, caverns and caves in mountains. Um, they would become luminous and levitate around. They would enter people's houses and play tricks on them. And like poltergeist, moving things about, playing with people's minds, could become invisible at will, um, would chirp and whistle as, as a language to each other. So when you think about this, um, then you think about a case like Charles James Hall, um, who I'm not sure if your listeners will be familiar with Charles Hall's testimony. He claims to have been a weather observer stationed at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada in the 60s, um, where he, his job was to go out into the desert in Indian Springs with a theodolite to measure release balloons and just basically track them and, and call in the uh, wind speed and things like that back to base. He was stationed there for two years. While he was there, he claims to have had prolonged and regular interaction with a tall, fair race of non-human beings that lived in the mountains, that whistled and chirped, that would become luminous and levitate about, that would enter his his um, hut and play tricks on him as poltergeists and move things around on him. Um, so you have these identical descriptions from ancient right. times and then fairly modern of elves on one hand and ETs on the other hand. And um, these same beings that Charles Hall describes and also in ancient fairy lore, Nahuishlan, are the same beings that I've been having contact with all my life. Um, and I, I prefer the term crypto-terrestrial for them because they have this genetic affiliation with us. They're closely related to us. They're originally from Earth, although they are spacefaring with advanced technologies where they have at certain times been interstellar. So you could mm -hmm. say that they're extraterrestrials in a sense as well because they have the capacity for that. But um, yeah, uh, and I just became so passionate. After I was interested in fairies and elves over my life, right. my interest switched to ET UFO abductions and law because as I became older, some of the experiences I was having, as I said before, were becoming more sort of UFO-like Okay. Or, or like extraterrestrial, like waking up to be on a bed having a procedure oh. with the tall beings with black lenses over their eyes, which they put in. They have blue, <clears throat> huge blue eyes, but they put these black lenses in that I presume is like a smart tech or medical tech. Huge, long, four long fingers with like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, um, uh, a vestigial thumb. Okay. Uh, further up their hand. Um, checking my teeth, uh, drilling into the back of my skull and in intensely painful operations that they said was... Uh, it, it, would you, are you equating them to like what the people call the greys then? Uh, I think sometimes they might be called tall greys. Okay, the tall greys, okay. normally call them tall whites, or sometimes okay. they call them Nordics as well. It depends on how they present yes. themselves because they have long white or blonde hair that's quite fine or sometimes it's short, but often you see right. it sort of shoulder length. When they're in these kind of medical scenarios, though, they have like skull caps on, just like our own medical professionals, mm -hmm. looking over their face, black lenses over their eyes, and tight white outfits. Um, and then they sort of look even like giant mantis beings once they're dressed God, up. I have heard of that description, that mantis kind of like appearance, yes. Seven, eight, nine foot tall, depending, uh, as they become advanced, they take a long time to grow. Um, uh, so different people have had interactions with these beings through the centuries and nowadays, um, you know, probably more famous accounts of this particular race that call themselves the Majina, um, which are the same beings as the, those in the, um, on the glyphs, the petroglyphs in uh, 
Western Australia and the Kimberley that are called the Wanjana. Okay. They're called, they, but they actually call themselves the Mudjana, uh, which are, which is the same word. But I'm pretty sure that in, in Zulu cultures, there's also the Mwanjana, which was a race of non-humans. Um, and I think this is, these are all cognate, etymologically linked words, their own words, word for themselves. Um, but uh, usually they're called tall whites. But yeah, sometimes they're called tall greys when they're dressed in their dark suits, glowing right. red eyes, a long nose like appendage that amplifies okay. and resonates sound so that they can roar and project hooting sounds and powerful sounds to communicate over long distances. Also to instill fear into us, to scare us away from their underground habitations in national parks and state parks. Okay. Uh, but they have these skin tight, dark suits that can um, cloak that have a dark circular uh, technology on the chest. I'm not quite sure what that is uh, like a breeding device. Um, in these outfits, I think sometimes they're called tall greys or tall black aliens and things like this. I think this particular race is responsible for massive amounts of different characters or understandings in ufology or also in paranormal research in general, you know, because it's my understanding that these suits are, are what's responsible for Mothman as well. Right. They can levitate when they're levitating. If they're not cloaking and they levitate, they blur and a, like a, a nebulous uh, distortion appears around them that kind of looks like wings. Okay. Um, uh, like I've got this this um, picture on the front of my book. Is it right? That's very much that that. If I saw that, I would say that looks like a Mothman type of, you know, yeah, with the red yeah. eyes. Yeah. That's um. So um, yeah. That that's a that's a wonderful picture that was um done by. Mark Randall, uh, uh, he, I sent him the, the, the artist that, that did the, the cover for my book. I sent him. Do you consider them totally organic? And the reason why I'm asking you is that I've heard, you know, the shorter grays, you know, the ones, the smaller ones. I've heard the theory that in some cases they're more biomechanical and sometimes used as collectors, but they're not totally organic. Um, Are the yeah, ones well, you're talking are... about organic, totally organic, as in no, yeah. no mechanics? To totally organic and okay. closely genetically affiliated with us uh um you you the same genus really you'd call them like i call them in my book uh homo orionis because they've spent a good deal of time and been associated with uh the middle star of orion's belt okay um al nalam but uh i'm not sure, quite sure if you'd see them as being a separate species to us in the same genus or just a subspecies because they can interbreed with us they're so closely related to us they can interbreed with us right they have advanced really incredibly robust technologies that appear as magic to us but another nonetheless nuts and bolts they have flesh and blood they're nuts and bolts but they can manipulate through science and technology to such an extent that i suppose the distinctions between you know immaterial reality and material reality and that start to break down because once you've got a science and a technology that can allow you to pass through solid objects oh, open yeah, portals yeah. Um, and things like this. It's like, hold on, are these spiritual beings now? The technology is so advanced, they've leapt into some other. Uh, so, what do you I, think? I, they're, they, they're capable then of inter or intradimensional travel then? Or at least open uh, yeah. a pocket? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And also just um, uh, the use of portals um, to leap about on this planet as well, to open, to, to utilize natural wormholes. Um, and when they do that, depending on the size of the object passing through, there is often a sound. So 
if it's a if it's an entire ship there might be a boom if okay. it's a if it's just an individual it might be just a crack like a click like you mm -hmm. might just be sitting in your house and all of a sudden you hear click over in the corner and then you look and there might be a slight shape or a shadow and okay. that's their, and they're cloaking and they still uh project they still cast shadows and things like that or sometimes appear as shadow people um right which is, right which is why people that have involvement with ufos and ets are often haunted by shadow people as well which are the same beings yes. but in their suits um and they and they they will investigate people so if you've gone if you're like a paranormal investigator mm -hmm. um, and you travel, you go to a particular place that you think is haunted or where there's the UFOs seen, and then you get what people call hijackers and you get the phenomenon following you home. Yes. Uh, playing tricks on you. You wake up on the night, there's a dark shape that then's gone. You hear voices in your house, footsteps and things like that, uh, boots on the roof, this kind of thing. And you're like, oh dear, I've brought something home with me. They have their own system of intelligence gathering. If you've taken an interest in them, they'll take an interest in you. It can even okay. spread out to people that you know and your family and things like that as they genuinely, generally take and record information about you, just like an intelligence agency would. Um, but uh, yeah, Did you, so you mentioned something about the parks, and, and I wanted to come back to this. You know, I'm sure you've heard of the missing 411, all these disappearances all over the world, and usually national parks, I guess. You know, and supposedly after you say they discount people that basically have purposely disappeared or suicides, mental illness or animal attacks, there's still a large number. Do you think that they're tied into that in any way? Yeah, for sure. Especially hunters that go missing. So, yeah, uh, you know, how that's a, that's a category that David Politis for mm -hmm. missing 411 talks about, of course, you know, yeah, and divides it up into different, you know, children that go missing academics mm -hmm. and intellectuals and scientists and things that go missing but also hunters that, that disappear or yes. uh, that end up miles away from where they should be or their boots are found and, and they're never found again and this kind of thing i think at least some of that i don't want to say all of it or most of it right but some of that is attributable to these guys because they can be incredibly aggressive they can be lethal they can respond um uh in in aggressive ways if they feel that they're under threat or their children are and if there's malicious and aggressive intent on the part of a person mm -hmm. armed with a armed with a lethal weapon a firearm hunting hunting deer say in a national park or state park or or areas that are where hunting's a go for a particular period if if they shoot at even accidentally uh a mudgena especially their child they'll kill them so this is right this is um well they don't mess about they and they believe in a death for a death as well so if someone's unlucky enough to accidentally kill one of their members they've got no hope but even um there's probably overreaction on their part sometimes as well um but yeah the, the hunters that category oh you even hear of some of them where and in, in that that you mentioned earlier where some people have even heard basically a mimic or something that will draw a certain person in uh right, either okay. it's yeah, they hear who they think somebody they know calling them yeah i think that they do that kind of thing as well they can do sometimes to save people and sometimes perhaps if they have taken a dislike into someone and think that they're malicious aggressive or going to be harmful in some way disagreeable to them mm -hmm. in an area where they happen to be residing at the time in the 
in the under the mountain because they travel they travel around the earth and follow the warmth and they have okay. habitations all across the globe under the ocean in wilderness areas and sometimes places are left dormant if they if it's cold their habitations won't have anyone there and but okay. if, 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 if it's particularly warm in a certain place and it's a national park state park or a wilderness area uh there's a good possibility if they've got a habitation there there's going to be members of their population occupying it then hunters should be incredibly careful because um charles hall spoke about this as well um people taking shots at tall white children in nevada thinking that they were bighorn sheep um and okay. being killed by the tall whites um and uh as for other categories, you know, I'm not sure. I think they do help children. Okay. Um, you know, if children are lost in those kinds of situations, if a child's lost in a forest, uh, they will uh, call out to them or steer them because they have technologies that can manipulate your mind that they call mesmerization. They can instill fear into your mind to repel you out of a situation. You'll suddenly feel visceral um illogical fear and to, and you'll leave or they can fill your mind with love and acceptance as well to remove you as a threat um so that you feel you're flooded with endorphins and you feel happy and all of a sudden you're not a threat to them anymore or if you're in trouble they can instill ideas into your mind abstract ideas about where to go or even speak to you in your mind and telepathic communication and uh, linguistic um, like a silent voice in your head that's sort of like the okay. kind of voice you might hear when you're just reading silently to yourself like a silent reading voice yeah but um but um uh intrusive and not your own voice telling you what to do and to go somewhere to, or leading you to water or to food i think as well you know like the, and they're biased as well in the sense that they'll make judgments they'll make value judgments about different people that they encounter in their areas because they okay. know everything about you they read your mind and understand everything you've done who you are your reasons for being there and if they've taken a shining to you and they like you and you're lost or something like that, they'll help you. But it could go the other way. Right. Yeah, just it. for. Yeah. And, and that, do you yeah. think that all your encounters since childhood were connected to them, or do you think there's any other group that you've had contact with? Um, I I have much more vague memories of there being another shorter group uh, with with dark skin and and wrinkly faces. Okay. Um, but 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 I I'm not sure about that. And I've even sometimes I draw sketches of my experiences, and sometimes mm -hmm. I sort of get myself into sort of what I think is probably like a bit of a light hypnosis as I'm okay. doing the sketch to bring the memories out and bring out more detail. Um, and I have drawn one of these smaller, darker beings as well. Um, and they're they're called the the tall whites. They call them tall whites. Call themselves Mudjana. But they call these smaller, darker beings Sabetina, and okay. that's and, or, or, and they call them little brothers, and they're an allied race. Um, but um, I think, and they have claws on their hands, large, uh, dark claws. I think they in themselves have perhaps given rise to a lot of beliefs in maybe goblins and right uh, things like that over the years, uh, dwelling in the earth, but smaller beings, you know. Um, wrinkly faces big dark eyes sort of like the idea of a, a gray but dark brown not actually gray um, do you think they're responsible for like when you see these cattle mutilations or the crop circles or are we talking 
somebody else? I think some crop circles are them. The, okay. the famous crabwood crop circle from 2002 that shows a being um, holding a disc with binary on it, um, that is uh, an image of one of them with a helmet on. Um, okay. And it has Orion's belt, uh, three three dots in the in the crop circle, built, made into the crop circle. There's also three dots behind the right shoulder of the being, uh, slightly misaligned in the layout of Orion's belt, Alnataka on the Lum Mintaka. So they even signed that crop circle as being them. Um, so they they are responsible for some crop circles at least. Um, and there have been other reports, you know, I think there was a policeman in England that uh, came across tall, fair people in a crop circle okay. um, that ran away at incredible speed. They can move really, really fast. Ran away at a high speed and then he had hitchhikers. Then he was haunted by shadow people. He'd hear knock on his door, he'd go to his door and there'd be like an eight foot tall, dark shadow person that would then disappear. Uh, this is typical haunting for them. Once they yes. have a relationship with you, they interact with you and leave phenomena that normally would be interpreted as something like poltergeist or, or, or deceased individuals like ghosts, something like like that, but which is them um, in these cases anyway. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, crop circles. Um, as for as for cattle mutilations, yes, they are responsible for some cattle mutilations, and so were fairies and elves in ancient law. Um, the primary drive for them, I believe, is intimidation. Okay. If you are if you are a rancher, uh, and you are too close to an area where they have an underground habitation that they uh, reside in at different times of the year, and you have dogs. They're particularly against dogs. They don't like dogs. They slash their throats. They kill dogs. Um, they have this, they, they're frightened of dogs. Um, uh, and dogs also can perceive them. You know, dogs seem to have this sort of preternatural capability of perceiving things that maybe humans can't. Yes. Yes. So when they're cloaking and they prefer us not to see them, sometimes dogs will sense this. So dogs are dangerous to them, but also um, incredibly annoying, you know, and, and some dogs get themselves taken out by them um you know even john keel and the mothman prophecies talked about you know ufo flaps if there's a lot of ufo sightings in the area it'll often coincide with a lot of dogs having their throats cut in neighborhoods uh and this is the moving around and and not having any sense of humor about uh domestic right. dogs. right um because they have they have issues with it i'm sort of getting off track here but they have pro right. more with their dna their their genomic structures um not um is unraveling which is one of the reasons which is the reason why they interbreed with us healthy okay. dna um part of their issues is they've done too much genetic engineering and they've altered themselves to such an extent that um there's been side effects and symptoms like um even though they've lengthened their lifespans through genetic engineering it's meant that they uh, uh have um certain diseases and maladies that we don't have allergies that we don't have um very slow healing speeds if they get cut okay it takes a lot longer to heal um and bacteria in bacterial infections kill them much more easily than they would us so if a dog were to bite them yes get through their technologies and bite them and they don't very very quickly get medical help they're dead whereas that might be something that we just shrug off you know we're taking right right something that for us is a scratch for yeah. them to be life-threatening that's right that's right so and they rely on their technologies to such an extent like force fields becoming intangible things like this to avoid 
uh, being stung by bees or ants, which can kill them like that as well. They're allergic to that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, they're also to like, okay, insect bites and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But, um, but, the, but the, the cattle stuff, yeah, uh, mutilating cattle um, uh, it, and what they used to do to, to farmers in ancient Ireland and Scotland and in Europe in general, I believe, was if you're, if you're grazing cattle too close to where they have underground habitations, they will kill the cattle. Um, and this is something that they've always done. This is another point of continuity between the old law and and modern UFO law, you know. Okay. And and because see, this is the thing. Sometimes um I've I've spoken, I used to belong in when I was down living in Miami to a UFO group. And you know how people talk, and more than one person told me that after they saw a UFO, not even no abduction, just they saw sighting. Then they started having paranormal experiences inside their house and they couldn't figure out what does one thing have to do the other because for them it's like this is a ufo sighting lights in the sky kind of thing far away and then all of a sudden i'm having paranormal yeah. phenomena inside my house which i've lived for in, inside of several years and they couldn't quite and more than one person told me similar stories that yeah. they had this thing like where one thing dovetailed and something you mentioned this stuff some of the stuff went on for years right yeah okay inside their yeah. home yeah well that that that's the thing like when people say to me oh um you know I'm ha my house is haunted um i'm having this kind of i'm seeing shadow people hearing voices in the house things like that my mind goes straight to you may be a a, a ct experiencer rather than going oh your, your house is haunted by spirits or something like that but um that's just where my mind lies but uh yeah that th those two things go hand in hand for sure if you're having et abduction phenomena but also even just say witnessing ufos right. um to then be haunted and have this attention this kind of attention from some kind of paranormal presence where you feel something's there you feel uncertain um you'd notice things are going missing to be replaced later and this kind of stuff uh yeah for sure and 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 i suppose some people might find it a scary thing i don't find this kind of thing scary anymore even though maybe once some of the ideas are a bit scary to me but if a person's seeing ufos and then their house is also being haunted they're probably having a lot of experiences they're not being allowed to remember because that's okay. another that's another ability that the fairies and elves had of course in older times but also is a very common theme of course in modern ufo law missing time and what yes. and what is missing time it's not time literally time dilation it's not like time travel it, it is scenes missing <laughs> you know sometimes right. sometimes to be reaccessed by hypnotic regression perhaps sometimes it'll come back in dreams sometimes it'll just come back to you in waking life you remember something all of a sudden um but uh if someone's having that kind of attention in their house and they've also seen unidentified flying objects, I'd suggest there's probably interactions with cryptoterrestrials happening in their in their life, particularly at night, that they're not being allowed to remember. Right. Um, their technologies, you know, they're very mani highly manipulative technologies in their and they wear them in in their helmets, so they don't seem to be any more naturally telepathic or psychic than we are. It's just that they have developed about technology is what you're saying yeah they wear in these helmets that they wear some different shapes and sized helmets depending on what their task seems to be but they wear in their helmets some um, technologies that allow them to implant thoughts into your head to wipe 
and remove memories, um, send, um, you know, uh, um, linguistic messages into your heads, like uh, voices or whatever, um, okay. or, or images as well to take over your eyes and to project so that your mind's eye sees images and things like that of uh, places they want you to see, perhaps to calm you sometimes or to provide information. Um, but a large part of this thing is memory manipulation. So they actually said to me, we apologize for the mesmerization and we apologize for the memory alterations. And I said to them, that's okay, dudes, you probably know what you're doing. Uh, lo lots of memories have come back to me of things that have happened, particularly in my childhood that have been okay. erased at a certain point. They're not permanently erased. It's like they fold them over. It's inside other memories. Yeah. Exactly. And do you think that there's a link? Because I've heard, I've spoken to other guests that say sometimes there's, uh, if there's an uptick of UFO sightings or even abductions, there's also an uptick in sightings of cryptids. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think, um, well, they can use, well, that's another capacity they have hallucinations you know like they've got they can tap into a person's mind and they can present what's what would have been called once upon a time in older folklore and things glamories or a glamour yes to make themselves look like someone you know but they don't actually they're not actually shape-shifting physically but they're projecting a thought into your mind so that they look like your mother they look like your uncle they look like wow. your neighbor that tells you something and then you realize hold on a sec my mum's inside so it's like a doppelganger phenomena perhaps but yes but like a mimic um but but uh or um um i think perhaps sometimes a cryptid phenomena are explainable in that way where you're seeing things they're making you see that aren't really there sometimes when they're seen in their in their suits they might be thought of as being bigfoot sometimes that it you know like uh because they can be seven eight nine ten foot tall um they chirp and bark and growl and hoot, uh, which is often sounds attributed to Bigfoot. Yes, but, um, exactly. but, the, but the Sierra sounds uh, tall whites, not Bigfoot. I mean, this is something I haven't put it in this book, but this is something I put on my YouTube channel. I talk about a bit. Uh, people interested in Sasquatch and Bigfoot are not happy with me saying this kind of thing, of course. But the C I talked to Ron Moorhead about this, the guy who recorded the Sierra Sounds as well. Yes, um, yes, I've interviewed Ron. Yes, it's very interesting. I've listened to his recordings. Yes. Um, and uh, I said to him um, that, in my opinion, that the, the samurai chatter, the way they speak, it sounds like deep, resonant, almost like the way a Japanese, Japanese spoken in a sort of deep, masculine kind of way, like maybe you'd hear on anime or you'd hear on samurai movies or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, interspersed with, uh, barking sounds, growling, whistling, chirping, and all this kind of stuff. This is what I've heard them. The, this is them. This is they. The way. This is their natural language mixed with camouflage uh, codes as well to sound like animals sometimes. Or, but their natural language sounds like to a Westerner's ears anyway. So it's, to me, sounds like Japanese. I thought okay. it was Japanese when I first heard it. I've had them speak it to me and at me a few times, but don't understand what they're saying. Um, uh, now there's another tall white experiencer from Spain in the 70s that um, uh, Julio Fernandez in 1978 was taken on board a flying saucer by tall, pale beings, six and a half to seven foot tall with huge blue eyes that barked and spoke in what he, he said sounded like cries of the martial arts of the Orient. 
and when he when he okay. when he when he talked to um a ufologist who played different uh sound uh, different world languages to him and said what language do you think it sounds most like he settled on korean he said it sounds a lot like korean okay. korean and japanese to a western ears anyway sounds similar to right 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 without actually understanding the language i know i understand what you're saying the way it's spoken the inflection yeah yeah for sure um and and he'd originally described it as sounding like a cross between german and chinese he said german for its guttural features chinese mm -hmm. for its monosyllabic syllabic features uh but then when he actually listened to selections of languages he settled on settled on korean so okay. so when people are seeing dark um huge people moving around through the forest that are hooting and growling and barking and stuff like this sometimes this is considered to be bigfoot but another thing ties in with this now bigfoot may exist i don't know you know mm -hmm. but uh, another thing ties in with this that cryptids in places where there seem to be underground habitations may also be something that is like another tool in the in the toolkit of crypto terrestrials to okay. instill fear in people and to repel them from places like famously at um skinwalker ranch yes which is definitely an, uh has an underground mudge in a habitation there or in the mesa or under the property because the craft that described there are typical of crypto terrestrial craft craft the rvs they look like some of their craft look like white recreational vehicles without wheels uh yes. and, and charles hall described them in nevada um and uh the the ranchers of skinwalker ranch saw these craft um being piloted by giants that left huge footprints so these are the the crypto terrestrials um but also you see cryptids you know so bigfoot giant wolves other kinds of giant canids with huge bushy tails right um creatures that kind of look like small dinosaurs maybe being seen and then then disappearing being beamed up by scotty right. you know just um you know uh you know so the rancher have seen this dire wolf this giant wolf that was attacking his lamb and the and the rancher shot at it with a high power yeah and it was it was totally unafraid of the humans that's right no pain response right um, and just trot it off uh like it's not alive like it's not mm -hmm. real and then the flesh left behind on the ground blown out the back of it by this high-powered rifle uh was described as decaying so so whether or right. whether the beast itself was decaying or whether the flesh began decaying rapidly once it left the animal who knows but it's suggesting that these creatures are so are not really alive or if they are alive they're temporary so, I, so i've called them tlfs transient life forms or transitory life forms or something like that I, and perhaps sometimes bigfoot is this, is this like um the use of previously thought extinct giant monstrous mammals like giant wolves giant yeah. hairy hominids like a sasquatch like like creature that may have existed you know hundreds of thousands of years ago but does no longer um the, the these are used to, okay. to keep people away you know perhaps that's a possibility um in the color another ranch case famous ranch case in colorado uh that tim good wrote about um that has it's like a sister case to skinwalker ranch where you got all of these you know slew of the same kind of paranormal weird phenomena poltergeist stuff disembodied voices um tel telepathy um tricks being played uh on on the ranches and um cattle mutilations and dogs being killed and uh ufos being seen and 
the, the rancher in that particular case in Colorado got to meet the beings behind it. He actually had a meeting with two individuals that had huge eyes, fair hair, and were wearing tight fitting and helmets wearing tight fitting suits that was changing colors as he was talking to them. And they said to him, we are going to allow you to remember this, but this isn't really working out. We don't want you here. We have to work out some kind of agreement. As they were saying this to him, there was a, a cube on the ground, allegedly, a cube sitting on the ground. And the rancher went near it. And the two beings said, don't touch that. And then a Bigfoot, that's what, this is what the guy says, a Bigfoot type creature walked out of the trees over to the cube, touched it, and fell down either paralyzed or dead. And the, and the two beings with the big eyes said to the rancher, you see, these cubes are lethal. Don't approach them. Um, now, if that Bigfoot had been a living creature, that seems incredibly cruel to just prove some point. But right. if, if that Bigfoot was not truly alive, but was more like the, the dire wolf that the rancher at Skinwalker Ranch had been shooting, right. then they're sort of flesh automatons or something or uh you know, it makes you wonder could they have they been able to uh what's what i'm thinking of almost like regenerate maybe an extinct but their lifespan is very short in other words like and kind of like a cloning kind of thing maybe yeah maybe you that's know a, but it's got a very limited uh, lifespan no yeah maybe yeah that's something like that that's where my mind was going as well with this kind of thing where i'm thinking like, what's going on here yeah if they have this they, they don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel there do they you know if they have no. access perhaps to the genet the, the genomes of creatures that are extinct now that still have this these genomes they could yeah pump out these things um, what was it the god not a couple of like a week ago i heard that they had discovered oh my god i can't remember the uh some type of a fossil but it was so fresh that they thought that they could extract the uh, DNA material from it. Oh, Marlene, I wish I could remember what it was, but it was something oh. that you think, God, what was that? And, and of oh, course, yeah. all the time, I don't know, I uh, you hear all the time in Siberia, you know, all these mammoth uh, carcasses that they find that they're so fresh because they've been in cold that you yeah. would think they can reproduce them. If And, I, and I'm i almost positive without knowing for sure that they do have the CRISPR and all these different uh, DNA technology to yeah. clone. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Even if they have to, you know, what they said. Even if there's certain uh, sequences that they have to fill in, you know, even if yeah. it's a little bit corrupted, you know, just fill it in with elephant, you know, DNA, modern yeah, elephant right. DNA. Yeah, the closest similar bet. Yeah, just that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure that there's there's that technology out there. Do you think that this race are they always going to remain like they are now on, a, on the periphery, like around us, but never with us? Or do you think they're ever going to actually come forward? I I'm pretty sure, without perhaps being 100 percent sure, let's just say I'm 90 percent sure that they are planning on some kind of revelation or disclosure. Um, now it. Now, you know, the powers that be definitely know about them, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I, I believe that groups like Majestic 12 in, in UFO law, you know, um, uh, and, you know, Area S4 in, at Nellis Air Force Base and all these kinds of elements of UFO law are actually 
do believe that these kinds of ideas that they're, they're onto something here there is i don't know if majestic is still called majestic or what they call themselves now but right. there are definitely power structures there's groups of individuals making decisions behind the scenes that are not in elected governments um that uh are permanently there that are controlling this information and there have been treaties between the crypto terrestrials and these elements these people right um um and a powerful faction of it lies in the united states of course uh behind us right, because there's a lot of these groups like you said majestic 12 that even if technically on the record they they folded up and supposedly don't exist they do but just by another name uh, that's right yeah i think yeah and they 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 vote in different members and there's sort of might mm -hmm. be yeah, like an overhaul of it but still there's groups in the world that are fulfilling this role where they're inter they've been the ones that have officially been meeting cts and having treaties with them the treaties from what i understand specify that the crypto terrestrials are not meant to reveal themselves to the population of the earth at large until okay. people like majestic take an votes and say yay say yes and communicate that to them that they've now and every once in a while these groups sit and have a vote again well this is what i've read anyway doing doing research into this kind of stuff but that they've up until this point always said no not yet the people aren't ready it'll have to it'll devastate the economy um you know right, right. Be, yeah, i'm thinking of the it's not so much to protect them or protect us it's what it would do to you know, yeah. I could tell everybody would be like, forget work, forget paying my bills. I think I'm yeah. just going to sit home and have a meltdown <laughs> along those well, lines. Well, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that. And also the clean technology, like technologies. If they've got technologies, which they are prepared to share with us. Right. Um, that are free and don't require you to pay any bills. Wow. Um, you know, that would really, yeah. And, th and this is going to just destroy basically capitalism, at least the, yeah. the way we did know you, it. I don't know. Did you ever it? see this old movie when you said that? I, this is a movie. I want to say it's maybe 20 years old. A very young Keanu Reeves called Chain Reaction, where oh, a, an inventor, the he develops a system of free energy. But he insists on releasing it. Like, I'm going to give this out. Once they they basically find how to work it, how to make it work, I'm going to give it to all the governments in the world. This belongs, you know, the, the, the drama yeah, yeah, behind yeah. the movie is they end up getting part of the team gets killed because exactly of what you just said. Oh, I was yeah. like, no, you cannot do that. You can't just, you know, whatever, yeah. how, however altruistic your, your, um, your motivation is for it. You can't do that because it would just totally decimate yeah. all the economies and because so much, is there's a lot of money involved in energy how's that oh that's right yeah yeah and there's a lot of people in the world that have uh my share of of the wealth of what yes, i know right you know, right, like, right you know like the top one percent of the one percent have yeah. you know 99 percent of the wealth or and all right. that kind of thing i mean they're, they're holding on to that by way of right and when and, and it makes you think because sometimes i think to myself you know this you know going on the supposition that you that you describe where we have some type of treaty between these uh ets or crypto you know whatever you want to call them what, and a group or whoever it is where like you said we've come to an agreement and you know but you got to lay low i think to myself really at some point you would think if any of them really decided they could say i don't care we're going to disclose to your 
your entire planet. Sorry, <laughs> you know, yeah. forget it. Yeah, for sure. I you think know. that's what's happening. I think I'm, I think that's what's happening because, I mean, you know, some people are not impressed with the Pentagon, you know, admitting what it's been admitting lately, saying it's not enough, you know, just saying, yes, UFOs are uh, some kind of real phenomenon, but we don't know what's behind them. I, I, I have and all that kind that. of stuff. People are going, no, 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 go the whole way. Tell us aliens are real. This is I enough. think that, 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 you know, that film that they put out in 2017, that it showed like the pilot, like the little, um, like, a, supposedly it's a UFO moving in that, that film I've been out from before. I remember when I saw it, I had gone oh, to one yeah, of these yeah, meetings. Yeah, yeah. You know which one I'm talking about? That yeah, it looks like this little thing moving. That how could it move? And basically, yeah, it, it's like a UFO. And I, yeah. when I saw it, I said, "Wait a minute! I've seen this before." As a matter of fact, at one of those UFO meetings uh, that I went to in Miami, that we would get together every couple of months, I remember somebody from Mufon brought it and presented it. And I remember when they're like, "Oh, the they're disclosing this uh, film taken of a UFO." And I was looking at, I'm like, no, no, I couldn't have dreamt this. I already saw this. So I'm very uh, suspicious of any disclosures made regarding UFOs, ETs. Very, very suspicious. And if they ever say anything, when you really analyze it, it won't amount to yeah, anything. Yeah. It's very generic. It is, yeah. But it's almost, uh, it might be like baby steps, like a drip fed thing. You know, oh, like yeah. if, they, if their first admission is, okay. We have been investigating UFOs. We were lying when we said we haven't been. Um, now we're telling the truth. I mean, they're still not telling the whole truth, of course, but they go, mm -hmm. now we're telling the truth. Yes, we've been investigating UFOs and keeping an eye on this phenomenon for decades. Okay. Um, uh, yes, UFOs are some real objects in the sky, but we don't know what they are. And then they leave it at that for a few years and people dwell on that and get used right. to it. And it becomes normal, mundane reality. And then they up the ante and go, oh, there was something we left out uh we have we do know that the be, that the um beings flying it have been visiting us and we may have had some meetings with them in the past and then they leave it that for a couple of years and then they come in so, right. so that it's sort of like you know heating a frog very slowly in the water rather than chucking a frog straight into boiling water when they just leap straight out again the, 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 you think the timing of them admitting after so many years okay of no it's a weather balloon you know, it was a weather phenomena, anything but a UFO slash ET. Do you think there's anything having to do with the timing? As in all of a sudden there's this interest or admission that I even, what was it, the uh, about a month ago that uh, NASA was asking theologians to look at, you know, basically study yeah. how we would handle the admission or existence of extraterrestrials. And I'm thinking to myself, this is really weird. I mean, yeah. something's moving. Some, something's afoot. And yes. in my opinion, in my opinion, it's the scenario that you mentioned before, Marlene, which is that the CTs or ETs or whatever you want mm -hmm. to call them aren't playing anymore, and have decided right. have decided that's the end of this treaty nonsense. Right. I, I think part of the you see the CTs are environmentalists really i mean i know it's a corny thing mm -hmm. to say but but um they are incredibly concerned at the destruction of our biosphere at the moment the the diminishment of biodiversity um sure. you know that and they themselves are not culturally speaking the kinds of people or beings that would keep pets they don't train animals 
Um, they can act incredibly violently against animals and even people if they think that they're in threatened. But right. you have this kind of contra slightly contradictory idea that nonetheless they appreciate biodiversity, the biosphere. Right. They, they, they the understand the earth. importance. Yeah. And the, the ecology of the planet. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yes, and exactly. we're taking it all too far, you know, and it doesn't, right. you know, like I know that there's this big divide between, you know, are humans responsible for global warming or are they not? Is this right. a natural cycle and all that kind of stuff? But in the end, that's a moot point mm -hmm. because we certainly are destroying the biodiversity of the planet in lots of other ways. That oh, sure. Are. More, more, more aggressively pollution, even though we've done a lot. Yeah. But um, the, what we do with our wastes, with plastics, uh, stuff that's yeah. not biodegradable. Absolutely. The sea is Absolutely. Being filled with this yes. stuff. Of course, you know, logging and destroying all the forests, yes. the lungs of the earth. So I I think they are we're up to a point now where the the powers that be like Majestic or the power structure behind Majestic and um or the or whatever you want to call them, the shadow governments of the world or whatever, yeah. whoever they are, they've had long enough to vote and play this game where oh they're gonna the CTs aren't allowed to show themselves yet. No, no, right. no, voted again. Yeah, give us, no, give no. us another ten years. Give us another twenty yeah. years. And, yeah, putting I have up, a put feeling that long. that's something. Maybe, like you said, maybe something they're saying. Okay, we, 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 we can't buy any more time. You know, or that's maybe right. they themselves have told them. You know what? If by a certain date, let's say twenty thirty, for example, you guys have not done or admitted or this is it when you've been you've been preparing them long enough you know you came out with et the extraterrestrial and you know <laughs> close encounters of the third kind we've given you enough time to prep the psyche of humanity yeah. for the existence of extraterrestrials no more time yeah you guys or if not like i'd say we're gonna land the mothership on the front lawn of the white house something where nobody can deny it it's like you can't you can't weather yeah, balloon yeah. this out of um you know, right. with all the stories that have been told, you know, of and, and, and I've heard that, um, you know, luckily, you know, you have people that were in the military that once they, uh, you know, they retired, they came forward and basically admitted to some of these things because otherwise we'd be more in the dark than we are now. Yeah, well, that's true as well. Yeah, there are people that are coming out and admitting things. I think there's a fair few people that you know, are thought of as being whistleblowers, but in a way they're not really whistleblowers oh, in, no. in the sense that I can sort of, they're, even if they are thinking of themselves as whistleblowers, they nonetheless sense that there's a change in the wind. Yes. That, that, that it's uh, through, you know, uh, not just the Pentagon making these admissions, um, but just um, in general you know more academics um and and public intellectuals and people that outside of the ufo scene who would never have gone near any of this and never touched oh, it oh no for fear of destroying their careers being tarnished and ridiculed yes uh writing books about this kind of stuff and saying oh you know i was interested in this all along here's a book i've written and people go well oh, you know what and and and, yeah. and i've heard to i've heard that for many years back in the 40s 50s you know when especially after roswell and all these that even any academics or scientists, anybody that went in the direction of trying to prove it, they were sabotaged their careers. Or if they were some type of, if they were at a university, they would be pulled in and given the speech like, leave that alone, or you're going to lose your tenure. Yeah, for sure. Don't, don't go there. I've heard that that happened quite a lot, where anybody that really had a genuine, like, 
somebody, how can I say, with some type of uh, authority that if they came out with a book, like you said, people would pay attention to it. I've heard that a lot of them were sidelined, like don't don't oh, investigate yeah. that anymore. I think I, I think that's been the way of it for decades up until just this last year or two. You know, like you're getting people, you know, like this, you know, the famous Australian um, journalist, uh, Ross Coulter, who wrote the uh, book In Plain Sight that was just released recently. You know, he he wouldn't have done that a few years ago. This guy who's like a high-profile journalist. Uh, and I know that uh, people like George Knapp have been doing it forever, but he's a little right. bit of of a, of a special case where he was prepared to, to risk his um, career for this and, and, and it sort of worked out for him to a certain extent. But with someone like Ross Coltart, he probably had an interest all of this time, I'd imagine. Right. Um, I don't think he suddenly has an interest, but he, but he seemed to have, all of a sudden he's decided, I'm going to write this book and he's allowed to really. Um, now, whether he's been told he's allowed to by someone, you know, or he's just decided. Oh yeah. He feels like the whistleblowers that are coming out a lot now that there's this change in the wind, but that you're not necessarily now you're allowed to. I mean, it's like the Pentagon has said, Yes, you're all allowed to talk about this now, and we're supposed to go. Oh, thanks, yay! You know, right, uh, we've been given right. permission by our masters. You know, um, but it's it's true. You know, but you know what? This thing discourse. with when you said that thing about George Knapp, let's say the Skinwalker Ranch, I don't think at the beginning George Knapp thought he was going to find what they found. <laughs> no, I think that when not. he went out there with a group of scientists and the people that were there after the Sherman, well, I know the Sherman stayed there a little bit. They overlap, but you know they were there trying to capture. Yeah. I don't think at the beginning him or any of them really, you know, because one thing is when you have a family telling you what you you know, hey, we we had just arrived and we had a wolf come and try to basically in front of us take a, a cow. Yeah, as big as a horse. Right, say, uh, and you know you could sit there and go, you know, these people seem credible, but I didn't see this, and I think that yeah. George Knapp and that team at the beginning didn't realize the phenomena that they were going to witness yeah, all the time right. that they were there. Yeah, and then yeah. it just so much so that it was like, we don't need them to tell us we're seeing, we're having our own firsthand experience despite having cameras. And I even heard that one time they witnessed a creature for lack of a better word, coming out of the bottom of a, a saucer or a spaceship. I mean, right, they yeah. saw some way out things that I'd be like, holy you know, yeah, um, sure. and I think, I think, yeah. again, he wasn't by himself. He had a group of people there to yeah, back up his the, story. Like the National Institute for Discovery Science, like Colin Callagher, Robert Bigelow's um, little group. Yeah, of Bigelow's scientists. out there now. And um, yeah. well, no, I'm sorry, Bigelow was there before. But everybody that's been out there have been, after the Sherman family, have had to, they've tried to find proof. The, the last group that's out there now, which has been conducting, they themselves, you could tell, they're like, they're, they don't get it. Oh, Every okay, time. Yeah. These are make, this is the series, isn't it? I haven't actually watched it. Yeah, it's very yet. interesting, and, and I admire right. that they're trying to do a very scientific approach. But you could tell that sometimes they don't know whether to look up at the sky or under the ground or where. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just like, okay, we think it's coming from above, but then we're getting readings from under the ground. They have some of them having physical symptoms. Right. Um, and I myself, I looked up uh, reports of that high school teacher that lived there. This was back in the 50s. I, I found the articles. Okay. 
where oh, wow. he was reporting on strange lights and UFO kind of stuff back in the 50s. And he was a high school teacher. And, you know, this was a small town where they would write it up on their local newspaper. And I know that I think it, I, I, I'm not sure if it's one of his children or his grandchildren came forward with his notebook, which this obviously didn't come out in the in the newspapers during that time. But it, it shows that at that time they he did they did write ups about him that he would go out and interview these people that live there. Oh, and, you cool. know, they brought like that portfolio of all his little interviews, handwritten notes way back when none of them ever thought what was going to come afterwards. Uh, to yeah, me, wow. it personally lends veracity to that there was some type of phenomena happening there. Yeah, and it's been ongoing. Yeah, yeah. Ongoing and even from before. Um, yeah. And in you, your theory, you think then, is that this is one of the locations where this species has like what, a home base or some place where they spend time at? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, some uh, underground habitation. I call them. Okay. I call them habitations, you know. But I suppose you could say facilities or, um, but I call them habitations because they actually live in these things, you know. Okay. Um, uh, they're not just, you know, facilities to park craft or, to, or keep gear or tech, but actual um, dorms and places to, to reside in as they okay. move around the earth, uh, chasing okay. the warmth. But um, yeah, and I think it's, 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 it's part of the course for areas near these underground habitations to be subjected to skinwalker ranch type high strangeness, especially mm -hmm. if they decide they don't like you, you know, um, right. and they decide that some kind of psychological warfare has to be enacted on you to move you along. You know what, that, that scares um, a lot of people though to think about that because we want to think of an and a more advanced race being more, what's the word I'm looking for, kinder? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, compassionate and things like that. I think they, yeah. um, I think they, I mean, this might sound like it's sort of like a, a, a cop, like a cop out. Like, I, I think they give us what we did. Well, they think they give us what we deserve in right. the sense that in the sense that they um, don't think very much of us in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And they think that we usually only respond to threats and, right. and, and through in through interacting with us over centuries and millennia, even um, moving us along. Uh, you know, having to deal with us, um, trying to scare us away or invite us in and all, you sure. know, trying all different kinds of things out. There's, there's certain protocols that they've been formulating over a very, very long time of dealing with us and living side by side with us that certain things work and certain things don't. And it seems like aggression, instilling fear, playing tricks, playing mind games, scaring people away. You would think that, be, that that probably works very well, works. especially if they've been around for a long time. You know, you hear about all these uh, cultures that say that the mountain, don't go to the mountain or don't go to that valley or don't go because, you know, it becomes yeah. a forbidden place. Yeah, because there's bad juju there, you know. Oh, like yeah. There's, there's monsters yeah, yeah. or there's, you get near it and you can feel the foreboding, you know. And that Let kind me of ask thing. you, well, that... I've heard of the place in Australia called Black Mountain okay. that people have disappeared like, like, like they go and even people that go in searching for the person that disappeared is also. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not familiar. I think I'm not familiar with Black Mountain. I'm going to have oh, to look Oh, let up. me tell you, I was okay. reading about that and it was so interesting because it's not only that certain people disappear, search parties or people that are oh, sent wow. in 
looking okay. for the person that disappeared. Also, like no trace. Not like you know how sometimes a few years later they'll find remains, skeletal. Yeah. You know, they'll go, oh, now we realize they fell down a ravine or something like that. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nothing. No, nothing. Oh, right, okay. As wow, a matter of yeah, fact, I'll, they I'll even had that. um, God, Marlene. I can't remember if it was pre nineteen, pre turn of the century, as in nineteen to twentieth. But they even had one time a um, he was an outlaw, and he went running in there, and he disappeared. And uh, officers that went after him, they're trying to hunt them down. They disappeared. Okay, crikey. <laughs> if I if you I, that sounds I'll super interesting. Yeah. Yes. I was about to ask you if you'd heard. It's like, could this be one of those know. places? Well, it you sounds know. like it might be. Yeah, so I'll have to check that out for sure. I think I neglect researching Australia. I am Australian, and <laughs> most of my research is taking place, you know, like in, I think yes, I, I, read I know more about Canada and the U.S. and and, and mm -hmm. Britain. Uh, and but uh, yeah, so I, I neglect my home turf a little bit. I think. Yeah, I would love to. If you, I would love for you to come back, Ryan, uh, and talk yeah, more about this be because I think it's fascinating. I could agree with you. I think that something is propelling us to full true disclosure. How's that? Yeah, I think so. Beyond yeah. what maybe the powers that be would like, it's not their timetable anymore. And I they're feel. trying to get ahead of the, they're trying to get ahead of the thing of like, you know, before we just like, they shove us yeah. aside and say, guess yeah. what? No more waiting. Yeah, yeah. And they're desperately trying to soften the blow when it comes because now they they have to catch up, like you well, said. Yeah. Think about it. it. Think about it. Yeah. It's almost like th this is a loss of power because all of a sudden they're not the middleman. They're not the broker between us and the ETs. Even though a lot of us sort of probably go, <gasps> you know, because one thing is what you see on TV and the if we ever actually had some type of indisputable proof. That's it. This is it. Um, but that's it. They're they're we don't need you anymore to say, hey, you know, break the news to us. All of a sudden, it's face to face between two species. Yeah, yeah, that would be Hopefully, interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, it'll it'll be very interesting. Uh, it's my, I mean, I don't know for sure. I, I mean, I have contact with these beings, and they do talk to me sometimes. They wanted me to write this book. It was something okay. that they wanted me to do. Okay. Um, and I said, why don't you do it yourself, and do it under a pseudonym? And they're like, you need to humanize it. So they've been helping with, with it. I, I, next time I come on, if I come on again, yes, I'll, yes. Talk, I'll tell you a little bit about that because some of the stuff that I put in my book and also I'm putting in my second book is stuff that they've informed me about, that they've shown me uh, like certain images um, that reflect Orion's belt in different cases and things like that, that I wouldn't have found on my own. So they're, they're taking me by the okay. hand, helping me in certain ways. Other things, I think, you know, I'm, I'm putting stuff together myself, people piecing it together but anyway um yeah but it'd, it'd be nice to come back on again at some stage Marlon, absolutely for my podcast listeners what is your website address so people could find you well i've got a youtube channel which is oh, just perfect. my name ryan musgrave evans um and and those who are interested in in, in grabbing the book it's on mm -hmm. amazon it's on amazon okay. got ryan finding the crypto terrestrials published through flying disc press uh and yeah, it's it's paperback, hardback, and uh, ebook. And uh, okay. thank you very much. Thanks. No, on the contrary, my pleasure. Good luck in all your projects. Thanks so much. Thanks, Marlene. Take care. See you later. Bye bye.
拜拜。拜拜 wow， see， that's all. According to him, you know they're extraterrestrials, but also they've been. In other words, they've maybe originally a long time ago they were ETs, as in totally off off Earth, off planet. But because they've and it makes sense that you know they've been here, part of this planet for so long, that it's almost like they're part of our planet, even though if you want to consider them a different species, kind of. And you know, according to him, you. Uh, a lot of folklore, fairies, uh, goblins—you know things that people from ancient times. This is how they explain phenomena or beings that kind of human-looking, but not really. And maybe, according to their understanding, had magical powers. This is how, yeah, which makes sense. You know, people in those times describe things within the capability that they have of describing things, and I think that's fascinating because I'm sure everybody's seen, you know, the show Ancient Aliens, which describes how all these ETs supposedly had some possible influence on us from ancient civilizations onward, but they're always, how can I say, here but not. Part of us, per se. Even though I'm sure everybody's heard about hybrid programs, whether it's mutual, you know, mutual in the sense of okay, we agree with it, or whether they're stealing our genetic material by abduction. Take your pick. But it's almost always been the the way they portray extraterrestrials is whether what's the word I'm looking for? Whether they're a, not aggressive or whether they're just objective maybe they're just using it they're never really part of us you know totally separate they're not part of this earth they're visiting here for whatever reason whether they're studying us whether they need our genetic material whether who knows they got nothing better to do but i like his approach of the crypto terrestrial which is a ets that have been here for so long that they now have become part of us and for all we know, maybe the descendants they themselves have are part human. You know, they might not look exactly like us, but because of hybridization, maybe for hundreds or thousands of years, they're like us. And and maybe that's also the reason why they stayed here. That we're genetically compatible. In other words, they could um, reproduce with our genetic material, or vice versa. You hope. Otherwise, you know, this people don't understand sometimes species you can't, they're not compatible, you can't make them, you can't produce anything, you know. And every once in a while, yeah, in some cases where you get certain, um, even let's say like the lions and the tigers or the horse and the donkey, you know, even the offspring will be sterile, you know, if you get it to happen. So maybe that's why they've stuck around, that's maybe why we're so interesting. Kind of. But anyway, guys, last show I talked about possibly um, talking about uh, whatchamacallit, talking about interesting paranormal news. And I said, you know what, before I go 
full hog on that, you know, like a separate show, even if it's a short 20 or 25 minute clip, I'm going to do it at the end of the show or at the beginning. I still haven't figured it out. One of the ones that I found, which is recent, I'm sure most of you remember one of the Ghost Adventures episodes in the UK. This was this is already an older um, an older show of the Ram Inn, okay. And this Ram Inn, as a matter of fact, I remember that it was kind of it had its kind of funny moments with Zach Bagans and things that happened to him. Um, and, uh, also the, uh, the gentleman, uh, Mr. Humphreys, who was the owner of this, uh, let me see if I can bring on the, okay. Uh, let's see who it is. Um, let's see if I can get this over here. All right. Let's see if I can get this over here. And I'm not even sure what's showing there. Uh, okay. I, I don't know. I'm hoping that what I'm looking at, what you guys are seeing, and I don't know if that is the case because I am... You know what? I wonder if... You know what? I'm going to do something here. Let's see. Let's see if we can make this work. Oh, maybe this is what I needed to do all along. Because let me tell you something. Share screen. All right, let's see. Ah, I think I got it now. There we go. Okay. This is this is the Haunted Rams Inn in the UK. And like I said, a lot of people became it, I mean, it's been around. It's it's a very famous haunted location in the UK for for a long time, but I think a lot of people became aware of it after the um after it came out on Ghost Adventures and Basically, the what they're talking about here says uh, an English woman who insists she's living in one of the most haunted houses. And this, I'm sorry, is according to the New York Post. An English woman who insists she's living in one of the most haunted houses in the world has revealed the creepy items she has discovered throughout the years. Her name is Caroline Humphreys, moved into the ancient Ramen in 1968 when she was just eight years old. It's located in southwest England in the town of Woton, under Edge, Gloucestershire. She explained that her parents initially purchased a thousand-year-old property to run it as a bed and breakfast. But over the years, they discovered they were getting more than they bargained for. A diviner, according to her, she's quoted as saying, a diviner told my dad there were children buried all over the place. And when he dug, he found the bones and the daggers wrapped with them, which implicated, which implied sacrificial killing. This is her right there. Okay. And it looks, she's, looks like she's doing some type of Ouija divination with a glass or... And I take it, this is a bedroom. This is creepy. A specialist discovered the bones were not animal bones, but rather human remains. I don't know what that is because that's not a human. That that right there, that's not a human jaw. Okay. And this, I guess, is a sample of, of uh, I guess, the bones that they've dug up along the way. 
Okay. And it says here, some of the strange findings include piles of bones buried in the dirt alongside a set of daggers underneath flagstones in the lounge dug up by Caroline's late dad, late dad John Humphreys. These are some other things. Okay, recently, Caroline's partner make, found more bones under the staircase of a room on the ground floor, including a jaw, skull, spine, and femur bones. Okay, I think this is a picture of her dad who passed away already. Uh, there was an archaeological report on the daggers, and they said the dates of them are undefined, but they were of great age. Sadly, the daggers, which were in a glass display case, were stolen around 2014 when my father was in the house showing a group of visitors around. Her father, John Humphreys, found many of the grisly objects hidden in the home, which date back to 1145 or the past three decades, including a pile of bones buried in the dirt alongside a set of daggers, which he dug up underneath a sandstone located in the lounge area. Dad took the bones he had found to a specialist who informed him that they were definitely not animal bones. So the mystery of whose remains they are and why they were buried with daggers needs to be investigated. Other curious finds include a 500-year-old mummified cat inside a wall. Maybe that was what that, that mummified cat, which Humphrey said she believed was used to ward off witches. Due to the lime render and Cotswold stone walls, the cat was able to be preserved for centuries and was considered in good shape upon its discovery, according to preservationists in the Stroud Museum. Oh, okay. We, yeah. Okay. Uh, Considered a grade two listed in, which means it warrants every effort of preservation. In England, it was reportedly built on an ancient pagan burial ground. Over the years, it has become a popular destination for paranormal investigations by ghost hunters from around the world. And that's, I guess, one of the rooms. And this is another room. I know one of these was the one that Zach Bacon's, uh, something was going on that they heard growling or something. No, this was it. This is a pit. Uh... Yeah, according to them, the mummified cat is 500 years old. Okay. Ghost hunters have claimed to witness countless strange encounters and moving objects. The inn is near a church, which was built by slaves and Catholic monks who lived in the home. Humphrey believes there are secret cellars and passageways connecting the inn to the church that have yet to be tracked down. The caveat in the deeds from Whitbreads, from when we bought it, states that the building cellars have been bricked up, but we still don't know where they are. Interesting, very interesting. And the thing is this, it's very possible that the inn was built on a pagan burial site. But from what I understand, and I'm not an archeologist, but I usually, um, the longer more time, the, 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 in other words, the deeper artifacts are the the longer you know the older it is i think to myself for you to be digging under your staircase or on the side of a wall and find bones and daggers i don't think that's from the pagan times i'm not saying yeah there might be a lot of pagan stuff way deep in there but 11:45 on this thing of finding bones and daggers and we're talking here sacrifices and that's 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 um it leads me to believe, <clears throat> and the reason why I, I guess my point is, you know, a lot of people think, okay, pre-Christian, you you know, uh, Britain, you know, they're, I'm sure you've heard of what they call the bog people, 
that some people think were sacrifices made by their druids, maybe under stressful times. There's part of the religious practices where they were left in these bogs and tied and, you know, they've been found preserved. But if these um, bones and daggers or sacrifices, especially of children, were done, if we're talking 1000 AD, we're talking by then, UK in this area is paganism is, yeah, it's Christian, it's Catholic. And they even had monks. That leads me to believe that, that, that this is that they were practicing dark magic or the equivalent of Satanism in that area, and they were sacrificing children. I don't know. I'm not an archaeologist, but I would think any type of pagan ritual sacrifices would be buried so deep underneath there that you just couldn't find it because you dug up under your staircase or you dug in a wall, a little wall. That seems too shallow for me to be pre-Christian, pagan, mm -mm. which is there must be a lot of weird weird stuff going on in that place and i'm being kind when i just say weird and uh when zach bacon's described growling coming from there i was like no kidding i'm sure there's that and much worse let me tell you something that place i mean besides the fact that it's what had a thousand years at least as an inn god that must be grand central station there weird unusual and i'm going to tell you probably a lot of dark dark, eerie stuff going on. Anyway, guys, before I forget, please sign up for my newsletter. I It's coming out once, maybe twice a week the most. I write up crazy articles, book projects, weird stuff. Um, it, like I said, you know, any announcements, I usually make them on the newsletter. Uh, if you want to listen to any of the podcast versions of any of the shows, all you need to do is go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com or MarlenePardo.com and I have links there where you could listen on your browser or download the MP3 file without commercial interruption. I have links to the different podcast platforms that you'll find the show at. Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. I'm also, you can find me on Alexa, on Sonos, look for stories of the supernatural and you'll find me there either or Nightshade Diary, or Supernatural Storytime, if you like weird little uh, scary story podcast, whichever. Miami Ghost Chronicles is always going to be your one-stop shop for finding anything having to do with the show, even if it's links to videos. Uh, remember, I'm on BitChute, I'm on Steemit, besides YouTube, I'm all over the place with the video versions. And um, I want to thank you for being part of my audience, coming back every week, and... Um, and sharing this time with me because believe me, I have a lot of fantastic guests coming on. If you have any suggestions for either topics or guests that you have seen in the past and would like to have them return, or maybe you've seen them or heard them on some other show, please shoot me an email, Marlene at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. And I will try by all means to bring them on the show so that, you know, we can just discuss some spooky stuff. Uh, I'm thinking of also, maybe by the time it, this is a little bit staggered, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of doing a Fat Tuesday um, live stream. We'll talk about some weird stuff like, I'm sure I can think of something. 
for Fat Tuesday since some, a lot of people celebrate. This is the time before you go into Lent, which leads into the Easter season and which is when you give up. And in any words, this is like the last hurrah before you like have to buckle down. Um, so I'm thinking of having a Fat Tuesday live stream, but I will update you guys most probably on the newsletter uh, if that's going to come through. So again, guys, thank you so much for being part of my audience. Come back and thank you, thank you, thank you. Till next time. Take care.